Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are in a sermon series entitled Off the Bench. The title of the Off the Bench is referring to this whole thought of being called into action. This is our last week, and Tony already talked to you about, hey, off the bench, get this filled out. We had about 10 cards come in last week. We encourage you to fill out a card, especially for Easter that's coming up because we have the big citywide Easter egg hunt that we as a church uh, are the main sponsor for, and so we want you to be a part of that, so fill that out as well. But we're talking about being called into action being spiritually engaged into Christian service. And spiritually engaged into Christian service, so many times we think, man, well, Pastor Tom, you're the preacher, and there's no one out, there's more room for another preacher up here at this point. And, and spiritually engaged doesn't mean that you have to be a teacher. It could be. It could mean that you could be a greeter. It could be a media person. It could be a worship. See, spiritually engaged is just preparing people's hearts for the love of Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate teacher. He's the one that will change our lives. So we need to get into the game. We need to be a part. And this whole, the, our church is about creating an environment to see what God can do in and through your life. Today is our last message on this series, Off the Bench. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to any previous messages, you can find them on our website or the church app. And you can also subscribe to South Coast Christian on iTunes and pick up the messages. But during this series... We have been studying the life of Joseph. Joseph's life is a story of redemption, and it represents the faithfulness and goodness of God in Joseph's life through all situations. It's a story of how God will use every part of your life. And some parts of your life you think about, if you go back, you go, how will God use that part of my life? Well, read the story of Joseph, because God used every part of Joseph's life for his glory. That's what this story is about. Just a little brief recap that I want to share before we get completely get in the message for those maybe who haven't been here yet. Joseph is the son of Jacob, and he was the most favored of all the sons. And because of this special relationship that he had with his father Jacob, his brothers all became jealous of him. And so they devised this plan to all of a sudden, we're going to kill their, their own brother, they're going to kill Joseph, and, and, and I believe God kind of changed that, and there were some Midianite traders that were coming through, and, and they basically sold Joseph for some silver, kind of a representative. I remember someone else that got sold out for silver. Anyhow, sold jo- Joseph for some silver, and all of a sudden now Joseph is on his way to Egypt to be a slave. The brothers made this whole scheme so that the fa- their father Jacob would think that Joseph was actually killed by some wild animals. And through all the years, Joseph was put into a lot of difficult situations. But God continued to pour out his favor on Joseph's life. And eventually, Joseph goes from being thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and he becomes the second in command of all of Egypt, just under Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt. Last week, I shared how Joseph interpreted dream, the dream of Pharaoh and that how it revealed in Egypt that they were going to experience a great abundance of a crop. They were going to have a great harvest. But following those seven years of harvest, the dream that Pharaoh had, Joseph interpreted through the power of God that there was going to be following seven years of great famine. 
Pharaoh chose, because of Joseph's ability, Pharaoh chose Joseph and put him in charge of the plan of how we're going to survive this famine. That is a quick synopsis which leads up to our message for today. The title of today's message is this, leaving it all on the field. Leaving it all on the field. I'm, pr- I'm sure you've probably heard that statement before, especially if you've, had, if you've ever played any types of sports. It's referring to doing your best, not holding anything back. It's referring to giving 100%. By the time the end of the game is over, you can say, I left it all on the field. I did my very, very best. Joseph never gave up. Through all the difficulties that he faced, he continued to believe God, and he walked in faith. He confronted jealousy and hatred and betrayal and slavery, imprisonment, abandonment, loneliness, and he never gave up. Now, I just went through a powerful list. Let me say it again, because it might make your list just a little less daunting. He confronted jealousy, hatred, betrayal, slavery, imprisonment, abandonment, loneliness, yet he never gave up. He was in it to win it. Throughout his entire journey, God remained faithful to Joseph. And I believe it was Joseph's faithfulness back to God that continued to give Joseph a reward. As we move forward in Joseph's story, I'm going to summarize some of the events for the sake of time because basically I'm going to go through about three or four chapters today in Genesis, and so I want to summarize that for you. But if you want to read it for yourself, uh, to take about the part where Joseph is put in charge of Egypt, start at Genesis chapter 42. And if you go all the way through the book at the Genesis chapter 50, you will end where Joseph dies, and you'll see the rest of Joseph's story. By no means is this an exhaustive study, so I encourage you to read the story for yourselves. How many will read your Bible sometime today? Raise your hand. I saw every one of you, and I'm going to call you later on today and make sure you do. Is it okay if your pastor pushes you to read the Bible? Okay, thank you. I thought it was. So Joseph is now second in command of all of Egypt, and during the seven years of abundance, Joseph gets married, and he has two sons, or two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph does, does a masterful job at planning for this, this famine that was going to be coming through those seven years of abundance. He plans, he builds storehouses, and he begins to store all the different grain because he knows this seven years of famine is coming. The Bible states that Joseph gathered huge amounts of grains, like the sand on the seashore. In fact, it says they stopped counting or trying to stop trying to measure how much grain was collected because the amount was so great. He did a wonderful job at figuring out all this out. After the seven years of bumper crop is predicted by Pharaoh's dream, a severe famine struck the land. Not only did it affect Egypt, but it affected the countries around Egypt. So all of a sudden, Joseph's family. Jacob and his brothers, they're living in Canaan, and they are one of the, the countries that is affected by this famine. Joseph's fathers, Jacob, and his, and his brothers were living in the land of Canaan. So when jo- J- Jacob heard that, uh, that, that Egypt had grain available, he says, hey, I'm going to send you, and he's talking to his sons. I need you guys to go down to Egypt and I need you to buy grain for our families because otherwise, if we don't have grain, we're not gonna survive this famine. 
He sent all of his sons except one. Benjamin, don't ruin the story. Benjamin, (laughs) his youngest son. So the brothers traveled to Egypt, and let me read an account that happened to you in Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. This woman right here reads her Bible. Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. So catch that. He's the one that's actually in charge of distributing the grain to those that were coming. And all of a sudden, his brothers all of a sudden come to him. When they arrived, when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. This brings me to my first thought that I want to share with you today is this. A dream fulfilled. It had been over 20 years, probably closer to 22 to 23 years, since Joseph had had the dream, the dream of of the sheaves bowing down, and he shared with his family, and the brothers accused him, are you claiming that we're gonna bow down before you? And then all of a sudden, the dream right now is being realized, it's being fulfilled, where all of a sudden, his brothers are bowing down before him, and they don't even know that it's Joseph. They think they're just bowing down to the governor of Egypt. They don't recognize him. I'm sure that Joseph's changed. I mean, he was about 17 years old when he sold into slavery. If you you add up the time, he was 14 years between imprisonment and with Potiphar's house. There were seven years of abundance of crop. Added up, 21, 20, yeah, 20 years right there. He's a, it says he's at age of 30 when all of a sudden he takes control. He's age of 32, 33 when all of a sudden the abundance starts to take place. Or not that. He's actually older than that. He's 37, 38 when the abundance starts to take place. So he goes, his brothers last saw him when he was 17 and now he's close to 40. He's now one of the, basically one of the higher ups in Egypt. So he's no longer dressed like his brothers would be dressed because, you know, they're probably, they're shepherds. He's in the garb of being someone that's the elite in Egypt. His hair's probably changed. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize him. Besides 20 years from 17 to 40, things just change, guys. But here's the thing. Joseph immediately recognizes his brothers. But he treats them like strangers. In fact, the scripture states that he actually treated them harshly. As Joseph is speaking to his brothers, he remembers, all of a sudden he remembers the dreams that God had given him so many years before and the dream is being fulfilled right in front of his eyes. And I just want to pause for a moment. I want to take this in because sometimes we can skip over scripture too fast. We just, because this is a big deal. I'm sure Joseph's dreams had faded through the years. Joseph's life had radically changed through the years. He now has a family. We know that. He now has kids. He has huge responsibilities. He's living in a completely different culture. And I doubt that he had a whole lot of time to think about the dreams that he had back when he was 17 years old. In fact, the Bible says he remembered. To remember means that you have to bring something back to your memory. It's not something that you have been thinking about. And I share this to remind you that God doesn't forget. You might forget, but God doesn't forget. 
You see, you might be given a dream and you think, man, you all of a sudden just kind of fades away because you don't see it happening. But man, if it was a God-given dream, if it was a God-given word, God doesn't forget. And he brings that back into your memory for a purpose. I share a story about my wife and I years ago when we were in Marysville, Washington, serving as an executive pastor. I went from Marysville, Washington, I got called into an opportunity, a great opportunity to go into the district office of the Assemblies of God, and I started to serve in that office. I was over the project of building their new offices. It was cool. I was able to build a new website, hire some people to do that. I just had some really cool responsibilities. I was loving it. But before I went into that position, I remember the Lord just impressed on my heart, this is only temporary, Tom. This position is only temporary. Well, I speed forward three years. I'm loving life. I'm in the district. It's awesome. People love me. I'm doing great things. I'm doing things I enjoy. And then all of a sudden, God starts to knock on my heart. And I feel that I'm, I'm being impressed to go to Las Vegas. And all of a sudden, I'm supposed to go to Vegas to go help plant a church. The problem is, I didn't want to go to Vegas. I wanted to stay right where I was at. I was comfortable. Can we say that? Comfortable. How many of you have ever been comfortable? I mean, I had a car allowance. I had great health insurance. I had retirement. They were planning on paying for my master's degree. I was comfortable. No, God, I am comfortable. No, Lord, I hear you, but I am comfortable. I'm sitting in my office one day, knowing in my heart that I'm supposed to go to Vegas. And all of a sudden, the Lord brings back to my memory, remember, I told you it was temporary. It was long gone. That thought was long gone because I was enjoying life. And then all of a sudden, it hit me how loving and precious my God is. Amen. That he knew three years before that I would, be, I would need to be given a word at that point so that when three years later came, that he, I would be able to follow God's call in my life. He gave me a word to prepare me for that way. And I say that to you today because we don't know why God gives us dreams. I'm not talking about the pizza dreams. I'm talking about real God dreams. We don't know why God gives us words. But I'm telling you right now, you might forget. But if it's a word from God, God remembers. And he uses it for his purpose. God knew I would need to hear that to help me move forward with his plan. You know... It's funny. When God called me here to Orange County, I didn't need a word. I didn't need a revelation. I didn't need a dream or a vision. God called me. I'm going, God. I'm ready. But boy, did I need a word to go to Las Vegas. See, God, did you catch that? That's what God cares for you. He wants you to be on his journey. He wants, but he cares enough for you that he prepares the way for you. I think there's something in scripture that talks about that. 
telling you God intricately is involved in your life. We just need to slow down and listen. Sometimes God gives dreams, visions, words for the purpose to show you not only that he is real, but that he is in control, and we need to trust that. Back to our story. Joseph, by this time, had forgotten about his dreams, but now in front of him, is the, in front of his very eyes, the dream is being fulfilled. What a reassurance for Joseph to know that God was in control of, his entire, of this entire time through, through prison, through Potiphar's house, through false accusations, from being sold. In, God was in control. And the dreams that God gave him back when he was 17 years old were not forgotten, and they had a purpose. It should be encouragement for all of us that the promises that God gives you, guess what? The dreams that God gives you, stand firm in faith and believe and trust what God has given you. Man, have faith to follow it through completion. Now Joseph, he doesn't reveal himself yet to his brothers. He still holds back. They just think that he's still the governor of Egypt. And when Joseph hears that they had traveled from Canaan, guess what Joseph does? He accuses them of being spies. Then the brothers reassure him, no, 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 Joseph, we're good people. We're good men. We are not spies. In fact, this is what took place. We were hungry. We were living in Canaan. Our father Jacob sent us here. In fact, we still have a younger brother, Benjamin, who's back with their father. He sent us here to get food. But Joseph still accuses them of being spies. And the whole idea, Joseph devises this plan. He tells them that the only way that he was going to believe their story is that they would have to travel back to Canaan, get their younger brother Benjamin, and bring Benjamin back into his presence there at his palace in Egypt. Joseph informed them that they would have to leave one brother in prison. One brother. You're going to have to leave someone behind to guarantee that you're going to return. The brothers begin to talk about them to themselves. Now understand, Joseph is speaking to them through an interpreter. They don't realize that Joseph can actually understand what they're saying. Now the brothers are gathered around. Can you believe this is happening? You know what? Oh my goodness, one of the brothers says, this is all because of what we did so many years ago, what we did to Joseph. God is coming back after us because of what we did to Joseph. Joseph's hearing all of this. All of a sudden, Joseph interrupts that whole conversation. And he goes, hey, Simeon, you're the one. I want you to remain here. And he puts him in prison. He sends all the other brothers home. He fills their bags. Guess what he does? He fills their bags with all the grain. And they had bought that grain. But then he took the money that they had bought with that grain, and he told his servants, he said, put the money back into their backpacks before they leave. So they leave with all the grain. They leave with the money as well, and they don't know that. They're traveling along, and when they come to, to the rest for their first evening, they open up their bags, and they, all of a sudden they find that the money is there with the grain that they had used to purchase this grain. And all of a sudden, fear grabbed a hold of their heart because they thought they were going to be accused of stealing the money back. So when they return home to their father Jacob, they tell Jacob everything. Even how the governor of Egypt demanded to see Benjamin. Remember, the governor of Egypt is Joseph. Jacob responds by stating these words. You are robbing me of my children. 
Joseph is gone. Benjamin is gone. And now you want to take Benjamin, or Simeon is gone. And now you want to take Benjamin. And Jacob declares, my son will not go down with you. He was speaking of Benjamin. But guess what happens? The famine continues. They need food. All of a sudden, Jacob calls his sons, hey, you need to go back down to Egypt and buy food. And then one of the sons reminded Jacob, dad, we cannot go back without Benjamin. The governor of Egypt was very clear. And now, can I just, we don't think about what's happening in the Bible sometimes. No mention. Who's not in the story right now? Thank you, Simeon. They just forgot about him. He's in prison in Egypt. They don't even care. They're fat and happy. It's not until they get hungry that they, and they still don't mention about Simeon. Man, I'm glad I'm not Simeon. Talk about being left behind. But one of the sons reminds Jacob, we can't go back unless we take Benjamin. Finally, Jacob agrees and Simeon goes along with his brothers back to Egypt. Brothers once again appear before Joseph along with their youngest brother, Benjamin. And Joseph informs the manager of the household, prepare a feast. Now, they don't know what's taking place, but they're preparing a feast. All of a sudden, the brothers are being taken towards the palace where Joseph lives, and all of a sudden, they, have, they start having panic attacks in their life because they're starting to think, we're going to be judged right here. He's taking us for a reason. He's going to, remember, they, they still think that we stole that money back when we came on our first trip. The manager of the house tells him to relax. Don't be afraid. When Joseph arrives home, they all bow down before him and present the many gifts that Jacob had sent along with the sons. And let's read what happens next. Genesis chapter 43, verses 29 and 30. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one that you told me about? Joseph asked, may God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into the private room where he broke down and wept. This is the second thought that I want to share with you. Dreams can be difficult. They're not always easy. Joseph in that moment was overcome with emotion. Think about it, because we just read through the scriptures so quickly, we don't take it into our heart. Joseph left when he was 17 years old. All of a sudden he sees his brothers there. He's missed out on 22 years of relationship, or, or more, maybe 25 years by now, of relationship with his father who dearly loved him. He's missed out on all that. Now, he sees the one brother who didn't hate him. The one brother that was his full brother. It wasn't born, it was born from his mother, Rachel. He sees that one brother, and all of a sudden, I think that all of a sudden, this emotion floods through him, and he, he's lost out on all those years of friendship and relationship that he could have had with his brother. I share this because dreams are not always easy. Even though Joseph's dreams were powerful, and they were sent by God, and they were rewarding, they can be difficult, and they can be lonely. 
Because most dreams require great faith. They require great courage to see them through completion. Joseph could have given up, but man, he chose to, chose to persevere. He remained faithful to God. Today, my encouragement to you is this. Don't give up on your dreams. What has God spoken in your heart? What word has God given you? What dream has he set upon you? And you know it's God. It wasn't the pizza from the night before. You know it was God. What dream have you had that all of a sudden you're just starting to let loose of? I declare to you today, hold on to the dream and the word that God has given you because he still knows. Amen. You see, the goal of the enemy is to distract us, to steal away our dreams through distraction, through discouragement, through fear. And our goal is not to allow that to happen. As Paul writes these words, fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Don't give up. I shared a couple weeks ago about that. We, we, man, you know what? Don't, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Some of you need to dream again. Open up your word and start to dream again. Start to pray and start to allow God to dream. Watch the video from Men's Breakfast yesterday morning. Go home and watch that video. It's on our, it's on our app, our website. It will encourage you. Don't start dreaming. But my word for you today is this. Don't let go of the dreams that God has given you. The last thought I want to share with you this morning is this. God-given dreams have a purpose. After the feast, the brothers prepared their journey back to Canaan. And I'm just telling the story. Joseph had all their bags filled with grain. Once again, Joseph tells his servants, fill their bags with grain, get them prepared to go back to Egypt. But this time, Joseph told his servants, yeah, you got it. In Benjamin's bag, put my personal silver cup in his bag. So all of a sudden, the brothers get ready, and they, they depart from Egypt. And as they're traveling, Joseph sends the servants on their way. I mean, they're, I don't even know that they're barely out of the city. And, and Joseph says, go, go after them. And they stop Joseph's brothers. And they said, how, the servants declared to the, the brothers, how can you do this to Joseph? And they go, or not to Joseph, but to the governor. How can you do this to the governor? And they go, what, 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 are, what, what are you talking about? You have stolen from him. And once again, they declare, we are good men. We have not taken a thing. And they start going through their, their backpacks. They start going through their things. And all of a sudden, at that point, when they go into Benjamin's backpack, the silver cup, Joseph's personal silver cup, is in Benjamin's backpack. The palace manager stated to the brothers, Benjamin is going to have to remain here in Egypt as a slave. With this news, it says in Scripture that the brothers started to tear their clothes. Because they already saw the heartbreak that their father had gone through, what they put their father through, Jacob, when they sold Joseph into slavery. And now they're going to go home and all of a sudden declare to their father, Jacob, that Benjamin now is a, is a slave in Egypt. They all went back to Joseph's palace. And Judah spoke on behalf of Joseph to his brothers, for his brothers. He explained to Joseph the promise they had made to bring back Benjamin to their father. If we don't bring Benjamin back, and they're talking to the governor, they still don't know that the governor is Joseph. 
They're talking to him. He said, if we don't bring Benjamin back, it's going to kill our father. We can't do it. I made a promise. She said, I made a promise to bring him back. And this stark difference of what takes place between Benjamin's life and Joseph's life right here. Judah all of a sudden looks at the governor who is Joseph and he says, put me in that position. Set Benjamin free. Judah is willing to trade his life for his brother's life. There's a heart change that's starting to take place if you haven't seen it. At this point, Joseph could no longer hide his identity. People in the room, he says, everybody get out of the room right now. I need to talk to these men alone. Sends them all out. Then all of a sudden, he reveals his identity. I am Joseph, your brother. And then he breaks down and begins to weep. The brothers were stunned. They were speechless. And then Joseph tells them these words found in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. Don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here. Ahead of you to preserve your life. To get to the point of being betrayed, of knowing your brothers wanted to kill you, of being left out for your, not having a relationship with your father, your brother Benjamin, and to be able to get to the point to recognize it wasn't you. It was God who put me to this place for a greater purpose, for a greater reason. What are you going through today that maybe is tearing you up? And God has said, just relax. I have a plan. You're here for a greater purpose. Joseph sends his brothers back to Canaan and to retrieve their father Jacob for their whole, to bring the whole entire household, grandchildren, children, all their animals. Joseph will care for them from that point forward. He promises, I'm going to care for you from that point forward. As you read this story, you discover a beautiful picture of grace. One of the most beautiful pictures of grace that you can ever read throughout the scripture is the life of Joseph. How he had so quickly forgiven his brothers. Joseph's brothers had been carrying a burden of wrong for so many years. The wrong of how they treated Joseph. The lie. Can you imagine living with a lie that you told your father for 25, 30 years? They're living with that. And then just the hurt that they had caused the entire family. They were living with that. And Joseph set them free by grace. He recognized a greater purpose. And it was to demonstrate the wonderful grace of God. Joseph forgave his brothers. Sorry. Years later, after their father Jacob dies, Joseph reassures his brothers that again that he would take care of them. Joseph states, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought, you to the, brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. 
we can learn a lot from Joseph's life. Joseph is considered to be an example of Christ because he brought deliverance to his people just like Jesus brings deliverance to us. This makes me think about Paul's writings that he writes, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It's learning how to live by God's grace and it's learning to be an example of God's grace for the lives of those around you. Because you know, guess what? It's not all about you. It's not all about you. You might think it is. But I declare to you right now, if you think that's true, there's going to be a rude awakening someday. Because it's not all about you. It's about the lives around you. And how do you touch those lives around you? Joseph brought deliverance to his people. He brought deliverance to the nation. He brought deliverance to his family. Grace, grace, grace. Grace is, God's, grace is God extending his favor to us even though we don't deserve it. Grace is God's love, God's forgiveness, God's righteousness being poured into our lives. We don't deserve it, but he gives it freely to us. Joseph's brothers didn't deserve his forgiveness, but he gave it freely to them. Did you know that Joseph's name, what it means? His name means increase. Increase. Or he will add it's the whole idea that when you got around Joseph guess what increase was going to happen when you just got around Joseph guess what happens when you get around Jesus increase is going to happen in your life as you just hang around Jesus it's just going to take place what is the word for the day it's called increase increase we're, we're, we're done it's 11.06. I don't even have offering after this. Isn't this cool? I mean, I just laughed. We're just done. I want to be a pastor. And I want to pastor a church of people. Because a church is people who follow Christ. That leave everything on the field. 100% is left on the field. We will never look back and wish, oh, I wish I would have done that. I wish I, no, no, no. I left it all on the field. Increase. Increase. As I was thinking about this message today, I started thinking about increase in your life, increase in my life. What is God calling you to see an area of increase in your life? What is God asking you? What can you believe for in an area of your life for more increase? With head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment here. Why do you do that, Pastor Tom? Because it gives the worship team an opportunity to come back on stage. No, it's to remove distraction from your mind so you're not looking at stuff. Because I, I really felt this is the end of our series. And I really wanted, I don't want to just do church. I don't want to play church. I don't want to be religious. I want to be lovers of Jesus, followers of God. And as I was thinking about this message for the end, I just felt in my spirit that God said, give people the opportunity to respond. Pastor Tom, why do you give people the opportunity to respond? Because it takes faith to respond. And God loves faith. He does. 
He absolutely loves faith. So today, we're going to stand here in just a moment. But while your heads are bowed, eyes closed, I want to ask you, what is God asking you, putting in your heart, area of your life that you know needs to increase? And I want you to believe for that. Maybe it's increase in your marriage because marriage is struggling. Maybe it's increase in being a parent because you know that you maybe just get, you struggle in that area right now. And whatever reason, there's a, there's a challenge between you and a child and you just need increase of grace in your life. Maybe you just need an increase of faithfulness in your life. Maybe you need an increase of forgiveness in your life. Maybe you need an increase, you fill in the blank. Love, increase of kindness, increase of whatever it is. Today, as we worship, will you stand with me right now? And we're going to worship. And as we worship, I want to do something bold today. Man, can we do something bold today? As we worship, I want you just to pour out your heart to God. In those areas of your life that you know, and I know my areas, I already know, because I got to prepare this message. So I'm prepared. God, I want more increase in this area of my life. If you're here today and you need more increase, you know, I just feel like today we're going to change it up. We're not going to have our prayer team come down to the front. If you want increase in your life, and we're not going to ask anybody to pray over anybody. Don't pray over anybody. Just, but if you want a more increase in your life, just come down to the front. Just worship with us. And just ask God, give me greater increase. And you just stand in faith. And if you want someone to be with, man, grab someone you know and just say, Will you I need an increase in this area of my life. Let's believe for increase in every area of our life. Let's be, believe for increase with salvation for our neighbors. Let's be, believe for increase for a better marriage than I've ever had before. Let's believe for increase for my unsafe child. Let's believe for increase for my unsafe spouse. Let's believe for increase in our lives. Let's not settle for little. Let's believe for great. Let's dream again, guys. Let's dream again. Let's believe for more. It's scriptural to believe for more things that God can do in your life. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. God, pour out your spirit upon this house today. Thank you for increase ahead of time, God, that you have more things in our lives than we could ever imagine or think. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.